Welcome to episode 24 of the Comedy Defect podcast. My name's Winter Fonander. I'm a comedian and the host of the show. This is episode 24 with Alex Perry. Alex is Mancunian. He is a curmudgeon, a bit of an irritable old man. I can say that because I'm the same age as Alex. I spent many an hour <laughs> driving with Alex. We started off in the afternoon and probably ended in the dawn sometimes. Again, I think it shows in this interview that we've spent a lot of time in each other's company because we just meander through it. Don't really want to ask him any questions. Alex is a hive of factual information. He also runs a very successful podcast called The Comics Talk Football. Check that out as well. He runs two successful gigs. He runs Charlton Chuckles in Manchester and Darrelson Chuckles in London. Check him out. Very funny guy. You can really enjoy this one. What's been happening with me? Winter has set in. My writing is really improving. The dark days just make me focus on that page or that screen, which is really helpful. If you like this podcast and you want to follow us on Twitter, we're there at The Comedy Defect. If you want to follow me, it's at Winter Fonander. If you want to come find us on Facebook, we're there. We have a group and a page. But if you like this podcast, you want to donate to us, go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast and donate as much or as little as you want. But if you can't kick something back to us, just leave us a nice review on iTunes or Podbean because that really helps. This chat is with Alex Perry, very funny comedian for episode 24. Enjoy. So welcome to the Comedy Defect. Thank you very much. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, well, I say good. Uh, <laughs> you and I have just come from the train station where some... Can we, can we swear on it? Yes, of course. Go where for it, man. I was going to go with a biggie, but I'll bring it down. Some bastard mm. has basically given me a fine because I tried to get off at Hemel Hempstead with an oyster card. Mm. And he wasn't having it, and he was a job's worth, and I hope he fucking dies in a ditch. Yeah. 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 But other than that, <laughs> other than that, I'm great. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm all right. It's good yeah. to see you. Yeah, um, yeah, this is weird because you and I get together quite a bit and do mm. quite a lot of road trips, mm. and this is very much just a stationary road trip for us. We probably, is. let's be honest, we'll probably slag off less people than maybe we do on the way back occasionally this is true if, you, if you're listening fellow comedians we don't mean you we mean that other person that you don't there like are, there are touchstone, there are, there are touchstones for, uh, for comics that talk about in cars aren't they we're yeah. all going through it right now but this is a, on a two seater couch as well which is you know similar but you're in the driving seat because you were on the right hand side of course I mean keeping up the theme of the kind of are you trying to paint a mental picture for the listeners I am I'm trying to you know sort of visual um, aids yeah, so wasn't Visual Aid? Didn't someone have an Edinburgh show called Visual Aid? Is it? I'm sure there must be some contentious Pond. prop comedian, yeah, mm-hmm. who's had a show called Visual Aid. Mm, I'm sure. Yeah, so I am on the right of the sofa. If you at home wanting to imagine it, yeah, I'm wearing a red jumper and then nothing below the waist. <laughs> I thought. Well, I thought it was. A, was that? Is that a, I thought it was a cost. What's that? Uh, it's an eagle. No, so it's Lyle and Scott. Uh, Right, okay. um, not to be confused with Lyle and Tate, the sugar okay. people. It's quite a good make in Britain. It's a Scottish make for sort of hmm. golfers and that. It's yeah. an eagle landing. But there's a very shit American make that looks very similar. Okay. Um, so if you're in the States, what looks quite classy here... Mm. Well, classy is the wrong word. What looks quite nice here it looks tat over there. Yeah. Just goes to show signs and signifiers, eh? Mm, yeah. Roland Barthez and all that. Um, <laughs> in football references already. No, that's... Uh, okay. <laughs> you're thinking of Fabian Barthez. Oh, right. So, so of course the I philosopher, am. The uh, French uh, mid-20th uh, century... This is, this is a highbrow podcast, right? Yeah, of course. Go for it, man. Yeah. Oh, cool. I was going to talk about Marcuso for a second. But, oh, yeah. No, keep going. No, I, I'm like Joey Barton, who's another footballer who tries to appear intellectual, in that I very much have 
a Wikipedia knowledge of people. Like I know right. the names of loads of authors, philosophers. I can talk about a lot of topics. Yeah. I hope I'm not going to prove myself wrong in the next hour. <laughs> but it's all a very entry-level knowledge. Yeah. I'll have read one of their books. Right. So you're a faux intellectual, really. You can just... It's not that I'm faux intellectual. Okay, sorry. It's just... Go. It's just that... I know a lot of... I know a lot of useless shit. That's, if yeah. I, I think I know a lot of things, but sadly a lot of it is about, about obscure 1990s footballers. And like my dad said to me and my sister once, if you guys could remember Shakespeare the way you can remember The Simpsons, mm. you could both make a living out of it. Which, in a way, it's a shame that there aren't Simpsonologists. Well... Who, uh, it's not a profession, is it? I, well, there are, it isn't. But, but there probably wasn't Shakespeareologists or Shakespeare professionals mm. at the time, was there? It's so funny you should say that. Yanni... Chislow was on this podcast and he was talking about The Simpsons. He did a show about it, didn't he? He did. He yeah, was yeah. talking about The Simpsons that is our Shakespeare of our time. That sort of same sort of thing. It's kind of funny that you picked that up. Oh, I fucking love The Simpsons. Well, I put something on Facebook today and I actually rarely put anything on Facebook. It's so broad, The Simpsons mm. has a line for anything. Mm. Because today, and this is the day after Donald Trump's won the American election, yeah, there's uh, Kent Brockman, the newsreader, has a line. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Democracy simply doesn't work. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah it, it feels a bit like that today. It's yeah. been a bit of a weird atmosphere. I know we're in we're in London or mm. <coughs> just outside London. Yeah, yeah, twenty five miles, <laughs> twenty pounds worth outside London. I think it's a bit of a weird mood today. I know you work for a broadcasting company, is that yeah, right? Yeah, a big national one. We can't say who they are. Right. So we'll just call them mm. the CCB. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, that, uh, that's, that's cryptic enough. The, the CCD, <laughs> the big. Yeah, yeah, a big broadcasting yeah, company. Yeah. Bit of a, a strange vibe over there today, then. Yeah, just in general, just on the tube. Like I remember when Brexit happened, me and some guy nearly got on a fight. Oh yeah, the morning after on the tube, mm. just because he wouldn't get out of my way, and he was like, "Oh, you should have got off the train quicker." I was like, "How can I get off the train if you're standing in the doors?" That's. I have a lot of pet hate. I know Winter that you know me as like a lovable, fun, always <laughs> optimistic and happy guy. There's so much little shit out there. Yeah. And basically everything that I hate in the world is people unnecessarily being a dick to mm. others. And then there's all the subsectors of that. Yeah. So like people who spit on the street. Yeah. I hate the tube, which mm. I know is just such a hack mm. comedy topic. And I, I used to talk about the tube when I first started comedy. Mm. But people who don't get out of the way of the fucking doors when you try to get off yeah. piss me off yeah. so much. Just You will get on quicker if you... Get out of the way and let everyone off. It's, it's true. It's yeah. just a bit of common courtesy, that's all. Exactly. The lack of common courtesy mm-hmm. infuriates me. I, I mean, you're, you're the same age as me, Alex, are you? Yeah, we're both 28, yeah. right? Exactly, 28, yeah. And you're married as well. Yes. Like myself. Yeah. And, and I met your missus, she's lovely. And how is she I feeling? I think that was in a tube station. It was, in yeah. tube, yeah. You were... Yeah. Haven't we just done a gig, I think, out in the sticks, and then on a Saturday night, and then... We bumped into each other on a Sunday afternoon That's up right. and down the stairs, wasn't it? That's exactly what it was, yeah. I think we did that gig in Minehead, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. That one which is um, apparently never like this, but apparently like this every oh, the amount, of, The amount of shit gigs that I've been to, and if mm. you're the promoter who... Ah, fuck it, it's a shit gig, who are we mm. kidding? The amount, yeah, the amount of shit gigs that you go to, and they're like, oh, yeah... You should have seen it last week. Fuck yeah. off. I bet it was just as shit. And they, they, they don't know as well. <laughs> we comedians. We talk to each other. Mm. Like, if you and I are going on the way to my head and then you say to me, I've got Torquay next week, mm. and I, oh, I've done that one. So yeah. we warn each other for the shit exactly. ones, and we know on the circuit which yeah. ones are... 
Go prepared. But that, that Minehead was an interesting one because, I mean, it was full of wankers for a start. Mm. And that's... It was. It was, uh, no, it was, yeah. But I think you and I, it was pre-Brexit and we got a sense that Brexit was going to win that because mm. we saw so many posters and banners for it throughout the West Country. Because mm. that's in Somerset, if, any, if anyone doesn't know. And also the audience, I think... I don't think it was you or I. I think one of the other actors is a bit more political than both mm. of us. Spoke to the audience about it. They climbed up, didn't they? Didn't yeah, but you mm. could tell very mm. Brexity. And I, so I wasn't that surprised when they won. Come over here taking our pensions, isn't it? That's <laughs> yeah. what it is. You do the, the football, what is it? That's right, I do, uh, I do a podcast. It's called the Comics Talk Football Podcast. Yep. And comedians come on each week. We have different comedians, so we've had... Yeah. Doc Brown on, Carl Donnelly, Kevin mm. Day, different people, good comedians. Tezilias was on it recently. Mm. Uh, and they come on and we talk about football. So we sort of record it every Monday and we look back at the weekend it was. Mm. And we have a bit of a laugh. I know you're not a football fan, so I'll try and just... No, you. I mean, I, I, was, thinking to, I was thinking maybe pitch the idea of like, you know, I'll go on the podcast and you pitch me what football team I should support to get me interested in a team. Like, you know, you kind of... You know, dazzle me with the stats. Well, you're, you're from Cork, aren't you? Yeah. So your natural team, I think the mm. English team most people in Cork would support would be Manchester United, which right. is my team. Yeah. Because there's two famous players they've had from Cork, mm-hmm. Roy Keane yeah. and Dennis Irwin, mm-hmm. who for some reason had the nickname the Bogman. Are there all right. bogs around Cork? I don't know. Well, well, well we see, you see anyone that's outside of Dublin is a bogger. Okay. Basically. So, well, like, you know, anyone, like, as soon as somebody hears an accent that's not Dublin, they go, oh, that's a yeah. country bumpkin, if you like, to translate to the UK. So, yeah. Bogan for us, is Oh, Bogan, yeah. Bogan, because uh, my brother lives in Adelaide, and he came back over about a week ago and went for, went for an underwhelming Toby Carvery. Toby Carvery is, I mean, I know this is, this is going to sound really odd, but it really has, it's really let itself down recently. <laughs> <laughs> don't they have Carveries in Australia? They they do, but I thought, well, I'll take them to Carvery. We've got two kids with him. We'll, we'll mm. go for some tea. Like, the woman who was going to see this said, oh, sorry, look, it's going to be half an hour for more roast potatoes. I said, look, I can wait for half an hour. That's fine. So we sat down, and that should have been really the sign that we knew that it wasn't going to go well, this meal. And you have to, they charge you a pound now for crackling. And it's, it's a side now. Crackling is a side. Crackling is on top of the meat. It's not a side. It's part of the fucking meat. It shouldn't be, yeah, it shouldn't be a quid extra. No, it This is a whole modern world. People just trying to fleece you at every turn. Mm. Oh, crackling, though, if you actually think about it, it is disgusting. Uh, it is, but it's delicious as well at the same time. It is delicious, but I don't know. It's just, I think it's like a caveman thing. Mm. It's only delicious because if we lived a more natural lifestyle, you would never, ever eat that. Or you would only eat that once every five years or something. Mm. I think you should have a Toby Carvery maybe once every five years. Yeah. <laughs> Make them at home, you know? I'll be honest, I don't think I've had one in about 20 years. Whoa, okay. I mean, I've had roasts and stuff. I, actually, no, I tell a lie. I've been to one, I, I'm th- I went to one in Wigan. Yeah. I'm always a greedy bastard with these things. So yeah. when it's like... Super size of shit, I Yeah, right? when it's like, mm. say, nine quid all you can eat or something like that, I like think tactically how you stack the plate. Yeah. And you essentially use the harder based things like a bucket, so maybe your potatoes, your Yorkshires, to then entrap and fan out yeah. and allow you to accumulate more food. I get it, yeah, I get yeah. that. Like a sort of like you kind of using that, that as a base layer so as like a sponge that absorbs the moisture exactly, from all the other yeah. things. Yeah, I get it, yeah, just um, solid. Only in terms of patheticness, I'm only one step away mm-hmm. from Alan Partridge and his 12-inch plate. Right. Um, if I had a 12-inch plate, <laughs> I mean, I would bring it. 
<laughs> I mean, I think that's the true hilarity. You know, yeah. all these great characters in comedy history, mm. like Alan Partridge, Ricky Gervais, Mark Corrigan from Peep Show, mm. Basil Fawlty. We are laughing at them, mm. and they are twats, mm. but I think in all of our cores, we know that we share that twattishness. That's why we recognise it. Uh, yeah, I just watched that recently, and I've never saw them before. It's like, yeah, Alan Partridge, so watch it. There's like one part in it. The RTE people come over and go, oh, oh yeah, the two Irish guys. Yeah, and he's like, where are you from? Because I'm from Skibbereen, and I'm from Skibbereen. That's ex- I was like, fuck it. No one's from Skibbereen, you know? No one on TV is from Skibbereen, you know? Skibbereen sounds like the name of a drawing base MC. Yeah. I remember when I, I, I was, remember I got stopped by the police once. I said, what, what's, what's your name? I said, my name's Winter Phonander. And, uh, okay. And where'd you live? Uh, Millenville in Skibbereen, County Cork. He goes, that's a fucking not a real name or address. <laughs> <laughs> like, it does have the, the air of a fake yeah, name. It does, for sure, yeah. I mean, you must get loads of Wrong names as well. Oh, yeah. I've gotten uh, Wind, uh, Walter, Winston, again, a big, tall, black Jamaican guy with dreadlocks. You just feel that Winston should be that guy. I don't don't think there's been a white Winston in about 60 years. A long time. A long time. Weirdly enough, Winston trivia, Mm. both Gary Lineker and John Lennon have the middle name Winston. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Winston, for um, right. fact fans, it's mm. a reflection of Winston Churchill's status oh, of in course. British society. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Winston got on the five pound note as well, didn't he? He's on the five pound note. Yeah. Right? What do you think of those? A lot of fucking fuss over nothing. Mm. I mean, all this stuff about if you get the code AAA, oh, they're worth more than five pounds. Mm-hmm. If you're into that, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> Even if you make money out of it, you're still a fucking idiot. Yeah. I just, I couldn't give less of a shit. And people, people are like, oh, you can't rip them. And then they try and rip them. Just, it's just fucking money. Yeah. It's worth a fiver. <laughs> That's it. Just <laughs> stick it in your fucking pocket and get over it. They shouldn't have money. They just, they don't know the value of money. They literally do not know the value of yeah. money, do they? That is it. This is, it's a five pound. Yeah, I mean, the amount of effort you're putting into that, you're going to, you're losing money. You're yeah. wasting time. I mean, generally, I do think British money is pretty good mm. in that, you can be pissed out of your face and you will never mistake a fiver for a tenner or for a twenty. Mm. Genuinely, I've never had a fifty. I know what they look like. Yeah. I think I've seen them a couple of times. Mm. I've seen the fake ones, you know, when they sell a tape them up behind the chip shop wall and they go, We do not accept fifties. Yeah. Mm. Because we've had a fake and then they sell a tape it It's up. like the Holy Grail sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> chip shops have like a different etiquette. I've never seen any other type of shop, mm. but I've seen it in a few chip shops where they sell a tape up their fake 50s. Yeah. But like, because chip shops as well, you had that thing. I don't know if you had this in Ireland, but as a kid, I remember if you had like some random amount of money on you, 72p, 63p, mm-hmm. you could go into a chip shop. Just whack your fucking yeah. shrapnel onto the counter, your fucking collections of ones and twos, and go, can I have this many chips, please? <laughs> and they just go, yeah. yeah. And then by eye, they give you about yeah. how many chi- chips were well, there. Yeah, yeah. I feel that should exist in more mm. industries. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Like what in particular, do you think? McDonald's would never do that. No. You can't have, can I have this many fries, please? Can mm. I have this many McNuggets? Yeah. Why have they got to be standardised amount? I'll tell you why. EU went EU law. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I think? Like, there's a thing about the, the... I thought after Brexit happened, I thought that, like, crispy bacon would come back. 
I, I thought it would come back because of like the I think it's EU regulations. You know they can't because it's more burnt, isn't it? Crispy. It's more burnt. It's spending more time in the grill. Bacon's better, more burnt. It, yeah, yeah, crispy, right? Just that kind of oh, yeah, just yeah. kind of oh, just crumbles in your mouth sort of thing. That that's what I want. That's the kind of bacon. I don't want this flaccid, fucking lazy layabout. There's no effort gone into that bacon whatsoever. It's flaccid. No. It's not. It doesn't want to do anything. It's it's like it's like the benefit bacon, isn't it? Really? Yeah, you need your bacon properly cooked. I mm. mean, it's all proper British values here. We need your bacon properly cooked. We need your tea. Leave the bag in. I yeah. can't stand builders' tea. Yeah. I quite pathetically think it's like a sign of me. I don't want to say keeping it real, but being in touch. <laughs> What's the British equivalent of keeping it real? I don't um, like middle class British people like me who. Try and use hip hop phrases. Right. Like people who all of a sudden say back in the day, just say, Do you remember in the past? Do you remember yeah. 10 years? Just fucking. Do you remember when? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> do you remember when? Yeah. Do you remember when we used to just say, Do you remember when? Yeah. But I take it as a sign of me being in touch with my roots that salad cream, better than mayonnaise. Yeah. Here, here's another important one Vimto, better than Ribena. I don't know if I'm from Vimto, to be fair. Oh, I, uh, I, I just go the cheap, I go the cheap ass. Yeah, I'm Tesco's, well. like, you know, own, I don't care. Oh, don't oh, get that. Oh, to me. Oh, how, oh, there's not enough asparagus in this. Oh, I don't get a fucking Tesco own band fucking <laughs> black current fucking church group fucking kids club, youth yeah. club fucking biker grove piss. <laughs> You know that they're fucking worth one p your fucking glass. Oh, but you know that stuff, right? If it's in the bottle for like more than like I think a day or so, especially the orange, you you like you try to dilute it and you drink it. You're like, oh, this is separating. This yeah. is like oil and water. It's not quite. Uh, yeah. It's not dissolved in it properly. So you know you do the podcast, right? You also run a gig, don't you? What's the name of your gig again? Sorry, I was just drinking. Um a cup of tea there <laughs> as, as you asked me I run a couple I run one in London and uh, one in Manchester mm. I was just actually thinking more about Vimto though. oh yeah because I, I just remember I forgot all about this but I used to go out many years ago with an American girl I remember her telling me her mum came over mm. and staying for a few days and bought something to drink just bought Vimto didn't didn't realise you needed to dilute it. Oh, Just well. tried to drink an entire glass. Whoa. Did she manage it? Did she I don't think she did. Oh yeah, it's a bit sweet, huh? Yeah, I never got on with her that well, so I always found it quite funny. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember as well when you were a kid? Yeah. Just thinking of Vimto, this yeah. just tickled me. Go on. Remembering back because I came from a kind of family like we were alright, we were comfortable. We yeah. I wouldn't say we were rich, but we weren't on the breadline either. Yeah. Um so we'd have Coke occasionally yeah. to drink, obviously. And, you know, we wouldn't have it all the time, but we'd have it quite a bit, and we'd have juice occasionally. And if you go around to your mate's house, and they were, like, poorer than you, so they'd always just have the shittest drinks, mm. like what Peter Kay used to call roller cola, or just fucking, oh, yeah. the fucking awful own brand Ribena. Mm. When their mum would come around, and your kids, and you're, like, you're watching telly, you're playing the computer, and they bring the shit drinks over, and you just give your mate a look, like, come on, man, this is... <laughs> <laughs> oh no! <laughs> oh, kids no. are kind of honest like that. Yeah, kids, there's an honesty it's to true. kids. You're like, oh no! Yeah. I like only had that when I went to like parties and stuff because I was never allowed sugar when I was a kid at all. Oh, really? I was not. My mother was like, Weetabix was like, oh sugar, it can't have that. I didn't really have no, Weetabix. No, like it's like uh, shredded wheat was fine because that wasn't that was healthier. You know, shredded no, wheat is fucking dog shit. Uh, mate, I know. Tell me about it. You shredded know? wheat is like what a fucking barber sweeps off the floor at the end of the week. Mm. It's fucking horrible. You've got to boil it until it like it, it gives up and, and it finally softens. You know, it's like boiling. Straight 
strands of leather to eat, you know, and then it's yeah. awful. It's just the most heinous of all breakfast cereals. Yeah, that's so. That was that was it. And then when I went to uh, kids' parties, I'd be like, you know, like the old man in the corner, like mixing the the, the cola. Co- didn't care. Cola, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. cola, amazing. It's got sugar in it. Let's do this, you know. And then and then it would uh, be violently ill following that moment of just sheer indulgence. Learning how to take sugar for kids is a lot like how you have to learn to take alcohol. Yeah sort of 10 years later mm. I mean I got sort of raised that generation and background where your parents taught you to drink mm. so I'd drink with my parents from mm. say being 15, 16 mm. would be allowed the odd beer and what have you and they'd let you drink and they'd let you drink with your mates and let you sort of learn your limits in yeah. an environment that ain't going to be too dangerous mm-hmm. it's the same with kids like because if you, if you starve people or something they just want it more it's like everyone knows that phenomenon of where the loosest girls come from mm. Catholic schools because yeah. everything gets hidden away they're desperate for it yeah it's true first bar fight was at home fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. have that you fucker that's it oh yeah that's it look at me funny this is what happens now I'm just trying to teach yourself trying to teach it this is how it's going to happen yeah, yeah. and then, and then wait to learn making some chips you know mum's making some chips and then you know go and pay, pay mum yeah, fight breaks out behind you. <laughs> it's best to keep it in the house. Yeah, it's true. You know, it's, it's a safe place. It's a safe yeah. place. Yeah. So you uh, you're asking me about those gigs? <laughs> um, yeah. I'm, so I'm from Manchester. And I live yeah. down in London. A lot of people keep asking me, "Oh, you moved back to Manchester?" But I think that's solely because when I'm on social media, i.e., Facebook and Twitter, mm. I don't really post that much. So I tend to just do the promotion. Mm. for the gig which is in Manchester but my dad helps run a social club in Manchester and they mm. decided to start a comedy night oh, nice. um, so I sort of they asked well they asked me if I'd MC it and then I just got roped into fucking doing more and more so my partner in, t- in crime the promoter Graham Thompson if you're listening mate you need to <laughs> you need to be doing more because I do all the fucking <laughs> social media and all that and try mm. and promote it and I, I mean I know more comedians so I do the mm. bookings and what have you and it's going well. We've got a regular audience. Yeah. It's a nice club. It's fun. I try and put on. How long has that been going? Uh, we just had the third birthday. Oh, yeah. Just in September. So oh, nice. Just over three years. Great. So you've got a regular crowd then? Yeah, there's a lot of regulars there. And the area is called Chalton Chuckles. And the area of Manchester mm. I'm from, Chalton, is, is quite a gentrified area. So in the last 10 years or so. And there's almost like two tribes that live there, I'd say. There's a lot of the indigenous probably more Manc people. Mm. And then a lot of the maybe artier, media, more left-leaning liberal types right. who've come in, many with, who've come in with the BBC moving up there mm. as well. Yeah, traditionally, Chalton would be, it was a, it's a suburb, and it would just be like another suburb, like say Willington or Stretford for people in the city. But um, it was interesting where people would go as postgraduates once they left university mm. and sort of in their 20s. I think for that reason, there was a lot of bars there because there'd be a lot of people with without kids with disposable income mm. and there's you know some nice houses there and all when we were kids they were nearly all broken into flats. Mm. Um so there's like eighty bars in the whole yeah, district. Broken into flats. Well literally yeah yeah both <laughs> senses yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. No, there would be I mean those flats would yeah. get robbed all the time. Oh really? Yeah because yeah, if you're a well yeah if you're a burglar burglar yeah. um and you're breaking in you're better to break into a flats than a house yeah. because there'll be each each flatmate will have their own video their own their own laptop yeah yeah you know that's it all that sort of creativity and all the things to do in the area much like say Stoke Newington in Mm. London or somewhere led to it 
being gentrified really so mm. now it's very expensive nearly all the people that I grew up with have moved away and I've moved away mm. and uh, you know my sister's moved away but yeah you've got these two two tribes so mm. our social club is like the cheapest place in the area mm. and then it's not one of those there's, there's hipsters there mm. are hipsters in the north believe it or not unfortunately and, and credit to them I mean if you're a hipster in the north you certainly have to dodge a lot more shit than yeah. East End Hoxton types right yeah I've seen them get loads of shit in the past yeah some sort of mouthy drunk banks it's, it's, the software used to be really rough didn't it I mean a friend of mine used to go to went to college Salford College yeah and he said that like just walking up the the other wherever campus he was in there's fucking prostitutes just on the around like hanging about yeah. and yeah. you know people trying to like give you like whatever like, any drugs you want here you go man what do you want what, what, what sex or drugs whatever it was all happening just before the, the campus there yeah Sol- Salford's an interesting I'm, I'm mm. from Manchester itself Salford's right. sort of the bit next door sort mm. of you think of it like a pie so <laughs> I love it. Well, I'm trying I, love to be... it, I love it. I love it. The northern, the northern. Oh, I didn't even think of that. No, description me. of anything. Oh. Just, just think of it like a pie. Oh, <laughs> shit, fucking brilliant. My northern subconscious. <laughs> fucking what about fat cunt northern subconscious. I instantly go to pie. Do you think that when they go, when you go to the west country, they have a pasty like with like a chart on the I wall? Could have gone. I could have gone pizza. I could have gone anything round. I mean, to be fair, they are called pie charts. I don't know if we invented pie charts. Maybe it was a northern mathematician who's like, guys, you know this circular thing? We were going to go globe. No, pie. Pie, yeah. Yeah, so anyway, like, a quarter of a slice, the whole west of the city yeah. is, is Salford, really. Right. And I'm from sort of the southwest, so very near there. I lived in Eccles for a bit as a kid. Which is in Salford. Right. Salford's an interesting place. Mm. I mean, the BBC are there, but technically it's a different city to Manchester. Yeah. I mean, all this shit, when Birmingham gets referred to as the second city, I'm mm. sorry, Brummies, like Manchester, you, if you put all the, the near together bits together, Salford and Stockport and the rest of it, yeah. it's bigger than Birmingham for a start. Manchester, let's face it, is the capital of the north. Mm. And also Birmingham, what the fuck have you ever given the world? Mm. You haven't given the world a patch on what Manchester has. There's districts of Manchester that have given the world more than Birmingham. Mm. What is Birmingham trying to take credit for? Heavy metal, the worst fucking genre in the history of music, with the possible exception of country and western. Mm. Probably even country and western is better than heavy metal. Mm. Heavy metal is dog shit. What else has Birmingham... The Balti. Yeah, well, well there's, yeah. there's better <laughs> Indian dishes than the Balti. And I, I would say if Indian foods come from anywhere, it probably is India. I yeah. mean, all this more canals in Venice... Mm. Yeah, but it doesn't count if they've got shopping trolleys in them. This is that's true. the thing. I think Venice has got like a zero shopping trolley ratio. <laughs> I, I'm now thinking mm. I haven't gigged in Birmingham for a while, yeah. and yeah. I might not be going back there anytime soon. But come on, there's not as many gondolas in Birmingham as there already. No, you know you, you your gondola to shopping trolley ratio, and, Birmingham is off as well. That accent. I know the Manchester accent isn't always the most beautiful, but the Birmingham. I mean, you. Let's be honest, Winter. You've done well out of the accent game. Mm. Anyone in the Republic of Ireland, mm. whether you're from Galway in the west, Cork, Waterford in the south, yeah. Dublin in the east, I'm just showing off that I've got the basic Irish geography. <laughs> Did you see what I said before about my fucking Wikipedia page knowledge of things? Yeah. And you, yeah. You, I mean, you're naming one more town. I, go, I don't know where that is, mate. Like, you name yeah. whatever the, second, the yeah. seventh biggest city is. Winter, yeah. mate. I have no clue. Yeah. But no, the Irish accent, man. You guys fucking... And I think... I mean, women love it, obviously. But Irish women, I think as well, 
There's something sexy about. I kind of like, but I like the I like the Scottish accent. I like the uh, I like the I, I like the, and I, I do to be fair. I do like the little Podlin accent as well. I do like that. Okay, here, okay. Here's here's two questions for you. Top yeah. five. Go on. Accents. Yeah. Number one for first first top five for funniness for humour, and then let's go sexiness. Okay. After for that. Humor. So for humour for me personally. Glaswegian. Oh yeah. Uh, just oh, yeah. the fucking. I think it's the Don accent. I don't mean I want to talk. Let's talk Britain and Ireland here yeah, because yeah. it's fucking American accents are incredible. Like I mm. love a fucking New York accent, mm. New Jersey accent, mm. the Boston one, Texan accents as well, deep South accents. But anyway, let's like talk Southern Belle as well. Southern yeah. Belle on a, on, a, on on woman that Southern Belle. Oh, accent. American accents. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other than like the Valley Girl. You know that's that, that yeah. sort of parrot type pitch, yeah. Yeah. like an angle grinder, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Other than that, yeah. nearly every American accent mm. is great. Yeah. But you know, you know, here's a true story. I was in Cleveland once, mm. right? And I was in a diner, mm. and it was like one in the morning. And I was just ordering some food. Now I have a Manchester accent, yeah. and I haven't really been to London. I've been to London a bit before, mm. but I've been around the states. I was just ordering my food, attractive. Waitress, and she's like, she genuinely said, Oh my god, you've got the sexiest accent I've ever heard. Now, I'll be honest with you, Winter. Yeah, no one in the British Isles has ever said that to me, or I'll be honest, any other Mancunian. Mm. Now, my accent, I, to be honest, my accent isn't even that strong. Now. No, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty shaved off. Yeah, I've been down here 10 years. Like, I saw. I did a gig, I don't know if you've done it, it's called First Fives, Yeah. where you do your first set. Oh, that's with uh, Matt Smith, right? Yeah, Matt yeah. Smith, top guy. It was yeah. a really fun night as well, and the night I did it mm. were... You know how people always talk about school year of comedy? Mm. So there's quite a few guys who were like my school year of comedy, so I was on with uh, Darius Davies, Leo Kirst, Darren Walsh, we were all friends, um, and they're very funny guys. And it was fucking so funny to remember yeah. back to like... Yeah. Um, but I saw... Anyway, I watched a video... And it was fucking excruciating. And I was like, if I didn't know this guy, I wouldn't say anything. Like, I'm, I have a thing. I, if I don't think you're good, I won't give you a fake compliment. Like, mm-hmm. If I ever give anyone a compliment, mm-hmm. I mean it. I won't say bad things, mm-hmm. but I just won't encourage someone where who I think shouldn't be encouraged. You know? mm-hmm. And I watched me as like, I wouldn't fucking say anything good for that. I'd like one or two good lines, mm-hmm. but there was some shit. I was like, oh man, that was just crude. Yeah. But my accent was really strong. Yeah. And I was like, "Fuck!" I, I do find that as well, though. I mean, because it's like where you're, because where you're from, where you feel, feel safest, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's your your hometown and where you're brought up, and so yeah, so you have all that. So as soon as you go on stage at first, that comes out the most. Yeah, and just it made me sort of. Well, I think part of it was born out of the Manchester accent is one of those, like any of the northern accents, really Scouse, Geordie, mm. uh, and definitely Glaswegian. That mm. all our accents are on a scale, and if you sort of turn it up. It's more tougher and menacing. Like, mm. if someone's starting a fight on you, yeah. like, I'm sure if someone yeah. starts a fight on you in a pub, you get more mm-hmm. cork, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> <laughs> and I think part of that is when you, when you, when you first start gigging, you're so yeah. fearful, you're scared yeah. of the audience. Yeah. So you want to sort of puff yeah. your chest out and That's look. It. Don't fuck with me. Go like a full pirate, is what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, But yeah, so I was, I was saying the other day, I was in a, an Irish pub, mm. and a, a mate from Wexford. Mm. And the landlord was in there, it's sort of the end of the night, and the landlord shouted out something to everyone. And the landlord's from Donegal, and my mate, who's been over here a long mm. time, I don't know, like, 
Fucking hell, lads, didn't understand a word of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it shows, you know, when you when you move away, what it's like. No, man. Best, funniest accents, what, what are you going number one? Uh, I think, I think I'd, be, I'd be like in agreement with you, to be honest, with Glaswegian would be definitely the first, because it, it, it's something that's so... It's so like down to earth and connectable. Kind of, okay, fine. There's no, there's no frills or, or uh, about it at all. Yeah. and it's just straight down line. What you see is what you get, and that's the the archetype of that accent. Exactly. What you see, is what you get, it lends itself to that sort of no bullshit mm. philosophy. Mm. So, I don't believe that thing that people say, which is a bit pretentious. I think that all comedy is born out of truth. I don't think mm. all comedy is, Mm-mm. but I think there's a very funny strand of comedy that is truth telling. That is cutting to mm. the point. That's getting things out of the way and I think sort of guys like Kevin Bridges mm. and Frankie Boyle both do mm-hmm. that and there's Frankie Boyle sometimes you can just say a word and it mm. slays me and it sets mm. me off mm. and it's just and, and Bridges as well who yeah. I think is probably for me the best comedian in Britain at mm. the minute I think he's incredible mm-hmm. but Geordie as well that fucking I think it's awesome there's yeah. so many funny Geordie and comedians it, it, it's just it's just, it's a there's a, a a rhythm to that though as well those, yeah. those accents yeah, sing yeah, song. Yeah. same with the Northern Irish accent it's like a, a sing song sort of thing rhythm to the whole thing <laughs> you yeah. know that's it and that, that's what I find sometimes really grating about sometimes you know people are very deft and very confident and they just deliver their material very slowly and just you know with to the place but my brain just switches off completely I just need something so you can't take in deadpan acts oh it really bores me I like some of them but I think the I mean I'm naturally quite deadpan I think mm. I have quite a, a monotone voice and sometimes especially if I'm doing material that is a point of view that is and I'm getting more towards like writing more material that's heartfelt and so mm. on that I do try and break away from the monotone deadpan thing and try and put a bit of melody in there yeah. and change levels of excitement and so mm. on mm. because there's certain sort of Comedians that are incredible at it. Obviously, Richard Pryor, but like Andrew Maxwell, who's yeah. from Dublin. Great. Incredible, I think. You as a person as well, and you on stage, more or less the same, to be honest. There's not much difference. Like, there's a little, maybe dialed, a couple things dialed up. I'm more racist off stage. I noticed that. I did notice Which that. Which is some going, because, you know, <laughs> obviously the act. With you on stage, it's like your persona is there's also or your persona it's your, who you are it's the the thing about you is you have there's a latent rage underneath everything that you're, that you're I feel that you're saying oh really I feel there's like a little kind of and I, you know there's always this kind of oh, I saw this thing right you know and there's like yeah, this thing did this thing I would have done that as well you know but you say you're deadpan but there's, there is a little, like we're talking about the, the ticket you got fucking fined for yeah, yeah. and there's that same Playfulness and the, and the for fuck's sake, this has happened, and that little min, the, an annoyance of the minutiae of life, you know, that, yeah. that you take to the stage as well. But yeah, when did you do your first gig? Uh, I think it must have been about 2009, it's been mm. quite a while now, yeah. And uh, have you have you been doing have you been doing any fringes? Have you done any of the, the festivals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been up to Edinburgh a few times. I've mm. not done a solo show, I've always mm. done double headers. I just thought both the guys that have done double headers with aren't in comedy anymore. I, <laughs> I saw them off. Uh, yeah. We didn't bill it as verses, but to yeah. me, it very much was. No, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're both, they're both mates of mine still. I don't know, in hindsight, maybe I should have picked people who are going to put a bit more work in right. rather than just mates who I was going to have a good laugh with. But no, I've been doing it a fair while. Yeah. And I always sort of said, when I stop enjoying it, I'll give up. But I still enjoy it. still enjoy it. And, and what you were saying a minute ago before about which I 
I'm taking as a compliment and really appreciate about there being very little difference between my on stage and off stage selves. Mm. I think that's what I want to get to. Mm. I, one thing I, I prefer American comedians to mm. a lot of British ones, or generally, I do loads of brilliant British ones, but I generally I think their scenes better. All the the top end of their scene, which we get over here, mm. is better. And I think part of the reason for that is the premises of their ideas are mm. better. Mm-hmm. They're starting off with better premises, better ideas, and they are more heartfelt. Now, there's a million different ways to do comedy, and I really like mm. silly comedy, but that's not my comedy. Mm. And I really like acts that are different to me. I, I, yeah, I want to be able to sort of talk about my own life, put mm. my own personal stamp on things, and I want to try and get away... Like, is any there'll be comedians listening to this who'll know my act and go, oh, that bit shit, that bit shit that you used to do. Oh, they won't say that shit, but they'll... I know all the flaws in my act better than anyone. So, I, for instance, I've done a bit which I don't do anymore now, but I did it for a long time, about the three-second rule, mm. which it was observational material and it went well. Mm. And I like observational material, and I think, there's, I think it's quite a populist thing. Mm. And it's not easy to write it, but I want to... Yeah, trying to do things more personal than that. Yeah, that yeah. Other people couldn't take more risk as well involved yeah. in it. You know, because observational stuff, not saying anyone can do it, but doing it well is very difficult. But it, everyone is doing observational stuff. Let's go inside who we are and pull out something that hopefully maybe, maybe they don't even get. But even if they don't get it, that's great. I'm still an outsider. They might find that odd or they might find it, it might totally connect with them. You win either way, don't you really? You know, so if you, if you lose them, you still win because you're still yeah. the oddball and you can still follow and go well fuck it. Where, where was that coming from okay yeah. um, I mean I don't know I wouldn't the thing with comedy is first and foremost you've got to make them laugh yeah. so I've got bits that I know in certain rooms I just won't do I mean I've got a bit and it's certainly a little bit but I've got a bit about right wing politics in hip hop right. and it's me slagging off certain politicians and slagging off certain rappers mm. and I've gone to rooms out in the sticks full of old white people and I thought not only do you know do you not know rappers you probably mm. like the politicians that I'm going to slag off so mm. why tell it yeah, just to prove a point yeah, and not yeah, get laughs yeah. I've had this conversation with Andy Gleeks as well mm. and he was saying that you know sometimes you kind of get stuck you know, sometimes you're like well there's, there's not many options because you, you're trying to appeal to many Oh, the, the masses if you like yeah, yeah. and you kind of go well there's not many things places you can go so the, or, or, or stones you can touch to go right okay guys this is where we're going and and like you see a gig sometimes you go geez that's everyone from the same more or less the same subjects in more or less the same order yeah because yeah, yeah, yeah. that's how it, a set works and it can be quite just sort of set in its ways in one track you know so you're trying to do something different but that stuff that you're doing with the hip hop stuff maybe that'd be a fringe show that might you know, nah, elaborate about a two-minute joke. Is it? Yeah, yeah, elaborate it's all, no? I, I won't tell the joke just because... Yeah, you want to yeah. really burn I it. I mean, yeah, it worked. I sort of first wrote it when David Cameron was Prime Minister and it worked better then. Right. Because it referenced him and I've had to change it and adapt it. Mm. And in the right room, it really works. And it's like you say, it's about as you get more personal and hopefully as you get better and get a broader or a larger audience... You find your audience mm. more. I mean, at the yeah. moment, I think you and I are probably at a level of comedy where we're just playing to random amounts mm. of people, really. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it will be people nearer our age and with the more similar set of interests mm. and lifestyle and whatever to us. But sometimes it's the opposite. Mm. And you and I have both done those gigs. Mm. And what do you do? Mm. How do you, how do you connect? I mean, that's 
and what what life is about really mm. is just empathy and how do you make a connection with people mm. and I don't know if there is a meaning to life but if there is it's connected to that yeah it's on a pie chart somewhere <laughs> it's on a pie chart yeah <laughs> so open a few gigs and you've closed a few gigs I'm sure at this yeah, stage yeah. you know um, for this probably same promoter that we, we work a lot with yeah I um, mean yeah sort of I closed quite a few new app nights and so on mm. around London they're always nice to mm. do and there's something yeah in learn like I did one last Monday Really nice. Actually, I'll plug it. Right Comedy. It's a new night in Battersea. Mm. Uh, really fun. And I was on last. But a classic new night. They booked too mm. many acts. Uh, and there was literally people falling asleep. Oh, no. And you sort of learn. Mm. I mean, it's, you know, when you open, you're like, the fucking... Mm. Opening's hard, man. Mm. Closers get it easy, but they don't. There's a reason, generally speaking, your best act is the closer, mm. you know. And the different tricks that you have to use to try and spark people into life. Mm. And okay, question for you then. Do you, do you, you MC a lot, right? Yes. Yeah, Which yeah. do you prefer? Is it like, are they... I go in waves. If I MC too much, I, I've definitely had spelled... If I MC too much, I struggle when I go back to sets mm. because mm. I'm having to remember more and think more. I, and to, to explain it, when I MC, I don't tend to do much material. I tend to rely on crowd work, talk mm. to the crowd investigate them I always like comedy nights as an audience member and as a comedian where it's something unique where you had to be there mm. it couldn't have been another night mm. and I think in engineering that type of night MCs play a very large role yeah. so one of the first clubs that I used to work in which is not down now was called no. the Bathhouse which was on Dean Street right. near, near where Soho Theatre is mm. and when Boris Johnson's built this new Crossrail. It was right there, and it was this old historic pub. I mean, I think if I ever get to a stage of writing an autobiography, I'll write a chapter on this book. Mm. Fucking amazing place. It was on, so it's on Dean Street, right in Soho in central mm. London, and it would be every Friday and Saturday, and it would be a fiver in. And the guy running it was a mental Scottish guy mm. who I got on well with called Roddy. He was sort of teetotal. You probably know him, Ronnie Fraser. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It looks a bit like David May. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he would run it, and he would book people just depending on if he liked their act. So it didn't matter you sort of how new you were or your mm. supposed status in the rankings or whatever. And I used to gig there a lot. Anyway, mm. when I used to open or MC there, or as normally middle when I started to go to um Robert White was always on. Oh, yeah. And Robert White, for anyone who doesn't know, does these great supposedly improvised songs on the keyboard mm. but he would always ask me right who have we got in today and I'd sort of say right two Australians sat on the left there second row mm. they're both teachers third row they're on a date it's date number three mm. he, he really likes her she hasn't said yet and I'd tell him everything right those mm. guys are firemen they're there mm. this guy's on holiday he's come from Bangalore and he would weave that in mm. and make it look seamless yeah. now as an MC if you're just doing material and yeah. here's the next act yeah. You can't have that. Now, yeah. that's an example of something which is supposedly improvised. I'm sure Robert wouldn't mm. mind me saying that. But some, you get more bonus points when you improvise. Mm. There's things that you can say whilst you're improvising and talking to an audience that get huge laughs mm. that if you were to write down and try and repeat the next week, they wouldn't yeah. get any. It's, There's something yeah. about being in the moment. I've heard pretentious things comparing stand-up comedy to jazz. But there's something about that, something about mm. it being in the moment. Yeah. 
that uniqueness that, that yeah that that's that just is something that, that that electric that it's electric that moment yeah that just sort of like that some sparks don't and you could say anything that they've already thought of randomly like it's, it's, it's a weird dynamic isn't it because yeah. you're like, oh the, the, and you feel sometimes that they want you to say this thing that it might be a, you know we like no I don't want to fucking say that and you go to the next thing it's even better but it's so much fun that alive interaction you have with the, yeah. with that audience when you started your was your family involved in, in stand up no. your dad wants to run that gig up in it for social well he, he sort of runs a social people come in and drink there yeah but it was yeah no I was, I was that was quite a bit after. No, my family didn't come and see me for quite a few years, yeah. and that was at my design, really. Of course. I mean, I start. I'm from Manchester, as I say, but I started comedy in London. Yeah. I don't think I could have started in Manchester. Right. Not because of Manchester as a city, but because of me as a person. Mm. I don't think I could have done my first gig in front of family and friends. Yeah. Or even, not that Manchester's that small a place, but even potentially in front of oh someone I knew from school or someone from down the road or someone mm. from my area that I know. I, th- I think I needed the anonymity of London. Yeah. I think I needed, if I died on my arse, mm. that I could go back into the crowd of 12 million people and no one would ever mention it again. Because yeah. stand-up's a weird thing for me. Oh, yeah, You hear a lot of cliches about stand-ups, about, about how they need attention and so mm. on and about what kind of personality types they have. I think there's a big range. I think as many... Mm introverts as extroverts probably do stand up mm. if not more and I think I probably am introverted mm. and one thing I sort of think about comedy is even if I gave it up tomorrow I think it's been beneficial mm. to my life aside mm. from all the fun times that I've had and you know all the vast vast fortune that I've earned <laughs> pay off the fucking railway finding <laughs> um, all the chicken dinners after yeah. like a good gig yeah, like that shit, you know? yeah and all the women that have hit on me and that I've turned down and then thought that's a fucking myth isn't it married. that's an absolute myth isn't it no, it's I've had it a few times you mean oh earning money yeah, yeah that's a fucking myth <laughs> but like that you know that you know every you know the every gig I think maybe more of an American thing because over here I think that usually guys just take their mistresses to a comedy club yeah they'll right, we'll take it to the comedy club she'll laugh she'll have a great night I'll reap the rewards at the end of the night. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think that probably. Like, g- there's not many single women go to to comedy just to watch comedy. If they're there, they're usually with a group, and that's usually a head party, and it's all about the, the girl, isn't it? I think if you've got a game and can pull women anyway, if you're a comedian, that is probably my problem. That was probably my problem. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when, well, when I said you, I just meant one. I didn't mean it. Oh, one, yeah. <laughs> but, um, so sorry to go. So back. you were nailing it. Were you, did you meet your missus uh, at the comedy club? No, but I took her to a gig that I did quite early on. Oh yeah. And thankfully, it went well. She sort of brought a mate. Mm. It was at the bathhouse where I mentioned before, mm. and I sort of helped running the night. So sort of saved them two seats right at the side because it's yeah. a semicircle shape right so I made sure they were right at the side so that I could play forward and not have to look at her yeah. and it went well thankfully yeah, um, I mean I hadn't been doing it very long at that point and really I sort of think if I'd met her prior to comedy mm. it would be it would have been difficult I think she puts up with more because mm. she, I was a comedian when we met so yeah. I was sort of travelling here and there already at that point doing mm. gigs Whereas I, th- I know other comedians who got into it whilst they were with someone. And mm. I think it, is, it does take a toll on a relationship. Because you, you work such different hours mm. to someone in a more traditional job. Mm. And it does take so much of your time. And there's, you know, 
And I've noticed there's certain things that I think, if you want to get ahead, mm. aside from sort of sheer talent and drive and determination, age is obviously one. Mm. If you live in London and live with your folks, so you're saving money, oh, and, yes. and if you drive, mm. and you can go here, there, and everywhere, that makes a fucking difference. Mm. But if you don't have a partner, mm. there's loads of, I, I mean, there's loads of gigs I've been offered, and they're not great gigs, and I've sort of thought, oh, fuck it, I'll stay with the missus. Mm. Mm. Or other things that I've done with her. Uh, which is not to say she's helped me. Well, I suppose it is implying she's helped me back. She hasn't. Mm. She's very encouraging and supportive. But there's something to single guys who can hammer gigs every mm. night. Yeah. Whereas I, I don't gig every single night. Mm. Mm. But you know, I don't think you. I think you need that balance between writing and gigging as well. Because what's the point of like just going out every night? You can be exhausted from the night before. Yeah. And you're just going to like not do a great show. I mean, okay, maybe in that moment of being exhausted, you're not in your head, and you're just in the moment, not thinking about it, and do, you might, something might come up to you. That happens only when you've got that sweet spot. And the rest of those gigs, that maybe that week will be terrible, because you're oh, nice gig, nice gig. The comedy circuit, you know, you've got the open mic circuit, and like the paid up mic circuit, and then you've got the, the professional gigs. Um, and then you've got like a better, you know, this varying degrees of better pay in those. Mm. But you do have each of them have a circuit, and the open mic one is all oh, go out gig every night. Yeah, yeah and that's yeah. a fucking hamster wheel. That is that could fucking destroy you and, and yeah. make you and make you do the most cynical, bitter comic you could ever be. Yeah, and then because you never got to those other gigs because you're too busy going, doing getting the wrong feedback from these other yeah, gigs yeah, yeah. and going, oh no, this is how it's done. Oh yeah, and everyone's got you become a legend on the on the the, the open mic circuit, which is unpaid. And wondering why you're not progressing. Well, because you're not getting the right response to progress to the next well, I, level. I see people who are on that circuit, mm. and they're doing things like running all these Facebook forums, mm. putting a lot of energy into things that aren't making them a better comedian. Mm. That are maybe improving their standing or making them more well known within a certain community. Mm. But what for? It's not going to take them anywhere. And some people, I don't know, some people are big into that. Mm. Yeah, and there's, uh, there's definitely people that I think that will have seen mm. to also that almost use it as a replacement for a social life. Yeah, I think. Well, to be fair, I'm, I think I might be a victim of that. To be fair, this is my social life right now. <laughs> <laughs> so you just get your friends around, but you yeah. talk to them, but you yeah. record it. I only have people on that I like. You, what else do you do apart from do the comedy to decompress? Is that it? Well, I mentioned football before. I'm very yeah. into football. I sort of. I wonder if I have enough interest. Like I watch films and I watch stand-up and all that shit that everyone does, really. It's like when you fill out your UCAS form. You know, the, I, I'm, I don't know what the Irish call yes, is. Yes, I know. You know, the forms to go to university? Same thing, yeah. And they go, what are your hobbies? And I'm, I'm not from like an eating background where people mm. had hobbies. Everyone just puts socialising. Mm. I, I watch a bit of telly and I get pissed when I mm. can. I like I don't play computer games at all. All right. And I used to when I was a kid, and I was into like Super Nintendo. Yeah. And I just conscious the uh, Mario Street World? Fighter Two. Oh, great, Chun Li. Yeah. Oz. I I was always uh, Ken. Oh yeah. No, not Ken. Right. Guile. Oh, Guile. Oh yeah. Guile. I used to love Guile. I used to play as Guile. Yeah. The American guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did like uh, the the the, 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 the oh, no, was it Australian? Sorry, wasn't he? Something? No, he was like a US soldier. He looked like Dolph Lundgren and a very sort of yeah. upright blonde with a flat top. With Sonic Boom. Yeah, Sonic yeah, Boom, yeah. and he could do a kick. Mm. I never know the names of any of them because I always play computer with the sound off and put tunes on. Ah, 
and I listened to a lot of music as a teenager. Yeah, like opera kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, so he was fast. Yeah, so you could play on your back foot really, and you mm. could do sonic booms, and you could. He had. Um, he could do very fast little jumps. Mm. So, <laughs> really got down the mine hole there. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So you were. No, but I gave it up because I sort of was so obsessed with football. Like, if I have more than one mm. of these type of male, generally male interest, mm. they're just going to be kryptonite to women. Right, yeah. And like, I speak to my missus about it sometimes, and she's like, I'm so glad you're not into computers. And I could be, I right. could easily spend time being into computers. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you what games on what, mm. any of it. I go around a mate's house, I play like a grandma, just like hitting the buttons, don't know yeah. what they do, can't be asked to get into it. Mm-hmm. And I, can, I know completely why people enjoy them. Yeah. But it's just... I consciously made an effort in the same way that there's loads of good footballers mm. who they're not the best but they've absolutely made the mo- most out of talent so for football fans I'm thinking like Darren Fletcher James Milner mm. who I've read in interviews they've never drank alcohol like Gary Neville said when he was 16 he realised if he wanted to become a professional footballer yeah. he had to ditch every friend he had because he needed to concentrate on it to that extent and he couldn't have any temptation to be going out drinking, to be going out trying to meet yeah. girls, doing anything he shouldn't be. Mm. And, you know, he played for Man United in England mm. and had a great career. I almost felt like that, that if I ever want to get laid, <laughs> I can't play computer games. Man. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, well, yeah, and, you're, and you're married to her now. So I've been laid. So I'm not a virgin, it. Winter. It's worked. Well, that's good. This, I'm glad to hear you know, that. That's it, you're happy now, you're married, so she you know, so now you can start playing computer games. She can't that's a now. good point actually. You know, that's it. There's no there's no escape from her from you now. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing with a marriage though. Yeah. No, you can't change too 70, much. 30. Like you do you do both change. But you can't anything too big that you bring in is grounds for divorce. Like you can't okay. be atheist, you're right. both atheists, and then a year in you go, you know what? I'm Catholic now. You can't do that. You That's need true. to mm. anything too big. Like you can do little shit. Like, mm. look, I'm into tennis now. Yeah. I'm gonna play tennis once a week. That's just about all right. Yeah. If you're playing tennis every day, and like you're meeting and playing doubles tennis and shit with mm. other people, that's too much. Yeah. You need to have the same, pretty much be the same core person. That's what they bought. It's like a phone and shit. You can get upgrades. It doesn't even work that way the other way around, though, does it? I've only been married a year. What the <laughs> fuck do I know? I'm winging it. I'll be honest. Oh, I've been married uh, two, three months now, so, you know, I'm... You know, so I'm Have I seen you since then? Uh, I, we had a big no, spell of gigging together a lot in the run-up, yeah. and I remember keep talking to you about the end. No, I don't think so. I don't like no, because I, I only just know we haven't seen each other since the, that last gig in the, the Minehead one. Oh, God. And... Uh, that was, uh, and, and yeah, so that, but yeah, no, I, I haven't, I'm not moved in with my missus yet, so I haven't, I don't, Wait, have them. you never lived together? Never. No, I know you're Irish now, but what's going on? I know, like, well, I just, I'm, I'm living the dream, man. This is, this is awesome, this is wedded bliss. You've done it though, right? Uh, yeah, definitely done it. Oh, definitely, okay. definitely, definitely, you know, been away, she does exist. Uh, she's a small person, and uh, lives around five minutes from here. I'm not even, I'll be honest, I'm... And probably like 85% I believe she exists. Yeah. But there's 15% that start thinking that after we turn the mic off, I might say to you, Winter, I might so just uh, use your bathroom before I go. And then I walk in mm. and I go in the wrong room and it's just like a shrine to some woman that used to work with like five years ago. 
Yeah. And you're like, get out of my wife's room! <laughs> like, like a blob doll with a, a photograph yeah. on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll just, just the toilet straight ahead, okay? The toilet straight yeah. ahead of you. <laughs> you should have put a sign on the toilet, that's all I'm saying. Are you planning to do any fringes this year? Or, uh, Hopefully, um, yeah. I'd like to do a show about football, I think. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I mean, I think... I just love football. Like, I grew up... My family were big into football, like both sides of it. My dad always used to take me to watch Man United, like mm. had a season ticket. Uh, well, I've still got one now, so. right. and just obsessed by it. And if I was good enough, if I was a good enough player, mm. I probably would have never bothered getting into music and never bothered getting into comedy. Mm. I mean, I know that. I'm so, a, so wait, wait, you, you say you got to music? Were you, were you playing? Uh, very, very badly. I've never guitar? really been in bands. I can play guitar a bit, i.e., I know chords. Right. Uh, and I can play keyboard a bit in that I know chords in that mm. when I was a stoner at uni me and my mate yeah. would fucking just jam along really right. and ha- had a band that never played any gigs but we just used to fucking dick about what's the name? do you have a name? come on oh, no, it has to have a name come on yeah. you can't just not yeah. it was Simpsons inspired uh, uh, re- oh yeah? Yeah, right. yeah 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 the Space Coyotes okay cool which is an episode which features Johnny Cash uh, as a voice. Homer has a very hot chilli mm. and it makes him hallucinate yeah. and he talks to this dog. Is it a dog? Or is it a, what's it, what they call the ones out? A coyote? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. 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 And he hallucinates it and it's voiced by Johnny Cash. Yeah. And then when he goes back to reality he talks to Marge uh, and for some reason Homer shouts in your face space coyote! <laughs> And we took that because was that, you know, was that like your your catchphrase? If if anyone's listening to this and they wonder <laughs> why I have a two two, yeah. this is it's all being explained. Space Coyote, awesome. And you degree in uh, media, uh, film studies with production film from that that famous uh, institute of learning, Sheffield Hallam University. Not only is the halls that I was in got knocked down the year after I was in there. Uh, I recently watched a BBC4 documentary about synth music and it yeah. featured what are they called Sheff- Sheffield band Cabaret Voltaire right. also a venue in mm-hmm. Edinburgh of course uh, and they went they worked in the same block we did Condemned looked like a fucking asylum or something that no one's been in for 20 years every bit like the sc- I've, I've just started a new bit of material <laughs> yeah. and it's still an idea that I'm batting around but the sc- high school that I went to as well has been knocked down Mm. I basically think if you're from like a lower class background, mm. nothing's permanent. Everything's <laughs> temporary. Like if you go, if you're from a, a yeah. bad name, not even a bad name, but mm. you go to a bad school. Yeah. Like I asked this on stage, did you go to a good or bad school? Here's how you know. Does it still exist? Mm. Because that Eton exists for two hundred years. Mm. If you went to a shit comprehensive, mm-hmm. it won't exist in 20 years' like time. A, like a, a building full of prefabricated buildings. Exactly, like, yeah. Sort of yeah. Like, um, we, yeah. We had prefabricated yeah. bits that were supposed to get knocked down that were used 30 years later. Mm-hmm. They should have been condemned. We had a, a tunnel that went from the, that was for the first floor, yeah. that went from one building to like this annex building that you were only allowed to walk through it one way. Because if too many people went on it at once, it would fall down. <laughs> you know, a gangway then, really. Yeah. yeah. That's it was fucking nuts. Wow. That's, uh, that's... I, I mean, we're talking a comprehensive in 1990s Manchester. So I sort of was quite unfortunate in my education in some terms, in that mm. my entire high school... I did my GCSEs 
when the Labour government got in. And the Tories, mm. prior to that, Thatcher and Major put no money in education, mm. certainly not in comprehensives in the north mm. of England. So we were like 35, 40 to a class at sometimes. Mm. And I've tried to talk about some of this on stage just because when I've told mates, they found it funny, but finding the right details is difficult. And also, some people just don't relate to it whatsoever. Mm. They just like, what are you talking about? But our final years, when I did our, when we did our GCSEs, mm were great because there was about a third of the people left that there was at the, when we started the school mm. just by virtue of people getting expelled yeah. or just sacking it off completely. Mm. So the only people there pretty much were the ones who wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah. And you definitely got... A, I mean, I did okay. I've got, I got one A and I did enough to get into sixth form because mm. comprehensives in Manchester, you're not expected to go to further education so they don't have sixth forms. Mm-hmm. You know, when people talk about things like lower class people being discouraged from going into the arts, mm. they think it's all part of that thing of like, if you show a bit of creativity or something, your mates go, oh, you're a fag. Now that's definitely... <laughs> that's totally, that is totally the same. No, but it's not just no, that. It's, that's it's, part of it. That's the... But another part of it is like, our careers advisors and all that. I, 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 in year nine, when you had to pick your topics... You had to draw two pictures and you got marked out of ten. I was brilliant at drawing. I was mm. on Roth Cartoon Club as a kid. Mm. I was the first person in the history of school to get... Mm, there is. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. There is, actually. I'll get to that in a minute. Right. You, got two, you had to draw two pictures, both marked out of ten. Mm. I was the first person in the history of the school to get full marks. I could draw, I could draw amazingly. Brilliant. I could draw brilliantly. Mm-hmm. The school associate, they didn't... They, at no point did they say to me, you need to do GCSE art. Mm. They, they, they just pushed us towards geography. And I did geography mm. and history. I hated geography. Just because they told us, right, that no, if, if from this school, if you want to get into a sixth form, mm. you can't do artistic subjects. Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't just kids being masculine or homophobic saying don't do arts. Mm. Like, most lads realised, like, those art subjects, there's more girls in those. Pick them. That's it. Like, a mate of mine mm. went to study fashion he was an older lad I remember me and my mate being in sixth form and he, I remember him coming back from uni and he was down in Wimbledon whatever the college is there doing fashion I remember he came back and we were joking with him oh yeah you're doing your fucking fashion course you little fruit mm-hmm. and he's like lad seriously mm-hmm. there's 33 people in the class mm-hmm. 30, 30 of them are girls and the other two lads are both gay they're yeah. the odds they're the numbers yeah oh you want the Rolf story yeah so Rolf I I had it for a long time, loved Rolf, never thought he was a pedo or anything mm. like that. And a, a mate of mine would always joke, oh, he's a nonce, like, before it properly came out. Yeah. I was like, look, mate, he's not, I remember him, he's a sound guy, and just stop slagging him off. I was very mm-hmm. pro Rolf. Yeah. And my family, he drew a Rolf a room, remember that little thing? Right. He drew one of those, and like we had a Polaroid picture taken at the time when Polaroids were like mm. the future. Yeah. And this was framed, this Polaroid picture of me and Rolf. He said to Alex from Rolf, and he drew a Rolf Aru. This was framed in like the the hall in my mum and dad's house mm. upstairs on the landing. But the only thing that I remember him doing that was vaguely paedophile. Remember, he used to do that breathy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he used to do that, and him doing this thing where his stomach went in and out. Right. But we, there were other adults there, but he's like, we all put our hand on his stomach as he did it, and it went in and out. Right. This was lads as well as yeah. girls. Yeah. Okay. I don't think it was sexual. I really no. hope he didn't have no. a boner. He wasn't like ejaculating down his leg as it happened. I'm pretty certain he wasn't. Yeah. 
Oh, that's cool, man. I used to love watching that when I was a kid. Oh, I used to love that. Yeah, that I used great. to love that. I used to love the Really Wild Club. Mm. Really Wild Club? Really Wild Show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the one about the animals. Right. That was fucking great. And Michaela Strachan, just ageless. What a woman. Same as me when I was in school, man. They didn't push, put, you, put you towards any kind of artistic or creative avenue at all. It's like, yeah, academic, right, that's it, get into that. I think as well, the school that you go to mm. dictates your mindset more than anything more than holding you back of like your grades aren't good enough or whatever Mm -hmm. it's the mindset you're given and it took me a very long time I'm not even sure I'm over this Mm -hmm. I I was in top set for everything Mm -hmm. which sounds a good achievement and it was but it wasn't that good at school do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. I was just a bright lad and I put in just enough effort to get by and I always got bad Reports and mm. bad parents seeing that. I yeah. hated parents seeing because I knew every time my parents would come back and I'd just get a world of shit of just mm. like, they said you weren't paying attention, they said you're not working hard mm. enough, all this shit. You're just joking around. And I was like, well, yeah, kind of, yeah. And But what it was, I, I had mates that were in lower sets that I sort of grew up with. Like maybe their dads weren't about and stuff. And the teachers wanted to keep them encouraged. Mm. So they wouldn't do very well. They'd do worse than me. And then their reports would go, yeah, he's doing really well. They'd try and like, accentuate the positives. Mm-hmm. But I think the, the teachers knew that like both my parents wanted me to do well. They wanted me to go to uni. They're really encouraging. And so they knew that if they lent on, on me a bit, that they were fucking packed. Like my dad's a pretty fearsome guy. Mm-hmm. That he would just give me loads of shit. They'd make me work hard. So like, so say I'd get... 70% in a test they want you to get 90 so they'd fucking yeah, yeah. so I'd always get he can do more hated it all the time but I, what I learned in terms of mindset was always just doing enough to get mm. by mm. just do get your homework <laughs> in on time just fucking get it done that's fine you're not going to fall out on the top set mm. who gives a shit just get it done mm. and then when I went to uni and it was like no it's going to be beneficial if you put loads of effort and mm. work in and I was like away from home for the first time. I couldn't wait to get away. I couldn't wait to get on it. I couldn't wait to drink every night and mm. smoke weed and watch TV and mm. meet girls and all the rest of it. Mm. And so I got two two from Sheffield Hallam. And even at the time, I was like, well, I didn't know anyone who'd been to a good uni. Mm. I didn't know people in top jobs. It just I don't I don't think I met an upper class person till I was about twenty seven. Until I moved down to London. Mm. And they just have a different mentality of like, they expect things, like they just have no temerity of like networking, of putting themselves forward for things, Mm. which, yeah, if you're from a comprehensive school, you just have the opposite, there's just Mm. like a shyness there that holds you back. Yeah, totally agree with that, totally agree with that for sure. Our school toilets were atrocious, Mm. they, every single bit of them was graffitied, like the entire wall... There wasn't a thing in there that didn't have graffiti on it. Yeah. The ceiling had graffiti on it. That mm. was like nine, ten foot off the floor. Yeah. Effort. Right? No, there was no seats on any of the toilets. That's it. Porcelain. Oh, like, yeah. Just nothing. Oh. There was no flappy up and down bit. No, no, no kind of like gentle. No, there was no like little plastic thing. <laughs> and the thing was, you always got bastards mm. who, if you, if you, you would only ever go in there to piss. Yeah. Like, you would never shit in school. Yeah. And sometimes, sometimes, if you needed a piss, you'd just go at the back of the field at break. Yeah. Because there'd always be some little snide cunt who would wait by the toilets, and if anyone went in, 
he would go inside, spit on the door handle, and then slam it so that you had to put your hand in the wow. spit to open the door. Yeah, yeah. Now, for any youngsters that are listening, probably no one listening will ever encounter that, but if you want to know how to get out of it, what you do is you hit the tap, cup your hands, uh, you keep the water in your hands, you take it over to the handle, and then you mm-hmm. unleash it on the handle and it should yeah. wash it away. Now, obviously, if there's paper towels, those fucking... Those green paper towels that we used to have, mm-hmm. them, if I see those now, oh, they're just... Yeah, Isel. Isel. Isel as well. Yeah, Isel, oh, sandpaper of old oh, toilet me. tissue. Yeah, that fucking see-through fucking. Yeah, I don't know how it was transparent. Yeah, it had the texture of sandpaper. Yeah, and, and sharp as well. You couldn't. You, can, you could fold it. I think sandpaper is underselling it. It was glass paper. <laughs> the fucking hand dryers never worked. Mm. The ratio of taps at worked was probably about. One in six, mm-hmm. like you wouldn't. It was like Russian roulette, man. You would mm-hmm. never get it the first time. So this is your fringe show. Do you think you, you're going to go? What, just, this? just me, just molding the belt. position. Do you remember when? Do you remember when? Or at school, sort of thing. Yeah, I, yeah. I tried talking about this on stage, and to be honest, I don't think I've nailed it. Mm. But I think there's something in it. But there's loads mm. of things that I'm like. Nearly all northern people, mo- the vast majority of northern people, know what I'm talking about. Mm. When I talk about there being the cock of the school. Right, yeah. And it wasn't until I went to uni that I realised there were other schools not like this. Mm. Like, generally as a kid, I watched Grange Hill and thought, I wish I went to Grange Hill. It looks fucking really good. (laughs) It's only later on in life that I realised, no, Grange Hill was supposed to be a portrayal of a bad school with lots of issues. (laughs) But it it had no violence. Like, old school... I've, re- I've referenced this on stage and it doesn't get a laugh and I think it's not a reference point for enough people but we had a thing called the cock of the school mm. that meant that's the hardest person the best oh, fighter yeah. I'm sure it goes by different names in different yeah. places but you'd also have a cock of the year so there'd be a cock of year 10 cock of year 9 mm-hmm. you'd even have a cock of the girls yeah. you'd have cocks of other schools and it was almost like heavyweight boxing sometimes yeah. the cock of year 8 would have a fight with a cock of year 9 mm-hmm. sometimes the cock of your school like we went to a non-religious school, there was a Roman Catholic high school literally about 50 yards away. That was not a good idea. Mm-hmm. Why? I mean, divide and conquer, but mm. I saw our school have pitched battles with them. Mm. It was like football hooligans, literally just getting out at the same time. Mm. We're on either side of a big council estate. And you've just seen loads of like 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds just run at each yeah. other, just punching each other. Mm. And you knew who everyone was because you had your uniforms on. And you you recognised him as your school. And, yeah, yeah, absolute fucking nuts. Now, I was never much of a fighter. I'd sort of linger at the back and watch these things. Mental. Yeah, it was just nuts. But it was like there was a league table, so you'd have a guy, right, this guy's a second cop, that guy's a third cop. Mm. And it was almost like prison. Yeah. But every now and then there'd be a dispute over two positions. And mm. it would sort of like go around, oh, they're going to have a fight at yeah. uh, in the cemetery after school. Our school yeah. was like right by a park, right by a cemetery. And Manchester, there's like loads of alleyways as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like the f- most violent time of my life was the first 16 years. Mm-hmm. Not even the first 16 years, just ages 11 to 16. Mm-hmm. And it fucking it shapes you. Like I've seen way less fights as an adult, mm-hmm. but I've got certain mates who I went to the same school with, and I'm still mates with now, and other mates that I know from other places. We almost have a sixth sense mm-hmm. for when violence is going to mm-hmm. start. None of us are fighters, and I'm mm. not a, a particularly big guy. I'm like five eight, mm. but I can be in a pull man. Right, I just there's a fucking atmosphere in the room. 
and that guy there is about to do something yeah, yeah. and I can sort of I've Sense got I, yeah and I've sort of been in places where violence has started and known to get away mm-hmm. a lot of times like I'm just nice mm-hmm. out and what have you yeah, that's uh, it's always good for a gig when you're like, oh shit, I can see this shit's gonna, yeah. gonna happen. I mean, you, you get a similar thing as a comedian when mm. you just walk in a room sometimes and you just know straight away there is not going to be comedy in here. Mm. There will not be laughter in here tonight because there's a mood. Sometimes yeah. it's just a mood, and that's the best comedians. You know, when you see the comedians, you like look mm. like they have fairy dust sprinkled on them. You're mm. just like, what is that magic? Mm-hmm. Like say someone like Patrick Monaghan, who's hilarious. Mm. And you watch him and you just, you can't help but laugh. But you think, if you wrote this down, it wouldn't necessarily be funny. And there's something about the highest level of funny people have something about them. If they walk in the room, it's like if a miserable person walks. You know, sometimes if someone's really down and they walk Mm. in a room and they've got a black cloud over their head and they can just bring the mood of a room Mm. down without saying anything. Mm. The opposite can be done as well. Mm, definitely it's kind of infectious and yeah contagious. I mean what, sometimes as a comedian you need to do your best to generate that mood mm. and bring that into a room and so when's your next gig where can we come see you uh, my next one's tomorrow mm. in Camden mm-hmm. I think I'm opening before a new act showcase good luck to all the new acts I will not be sticking about to watch any of your sets. What a done. No, no, which is not horrible, but just there's more productive use. When I used, when I started, I did always used to stay to the end, and I always sort of thought you can learn from watching better acts. But none of you are better than me. No, no, I might try and get another gig elsewhere. Mm. Or it's relatively near to my house, mm. so I might go home. Any gigs of note coming up? Anything worse? Uh, Chilton Chuckles, if you're in Manchester, I think is Friday the 18th of November. Mm-hmm. If you're in London, uh, there's Dalston Chuckles, which is the 17th, the Thursday beforehand. That's free, uh, and that's got a stellar lineup uh, of new acts who I fully respect and will watch. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, a, I'm emceeing both of those. I've got a few gigs in, I can't think. Well, and obviously, this was the big highlight on my calendar. Yeah, of course, I mean, you know, yeah, big red circle around it is cat me. Yeah, well, the thing, well, because we've cancelled it twice. I got offered a, a nice gig tonight, to be honest with you. I didn't. I turned it down and asked if they had any others, and they didn't. But we've cancelled. You this did twice. tell them that you where you were going, though, right? He said, "Look, we're going to do the, the Comedy Defect podcast. I'm sorry, you, you understand?" And he went, "Yeah, yeah, of course." I did actually say I'm going to do a podcast in Hemel Hempstead. Yeah. And they probably thought he needs to evaluate his life. <laughs> he, ain't, he ain't getting there on an oyster card. <laughs> um, but your dog escaped. Is that the dog that I met? No, that's a different dog. Is, did that dog come that back? Just, that was a substitute. No, the, that the dog did come back. Oh, good. Um, yeah, it was. Just the, dog warden, the dog warden got him. Oh, did he? Is that so, a real job? I thought yeah, that just existed no, in like 1970s American so cartoons. You, you, you're angry about the, the oyster card making this yeah. happen. I'm angry about the fact that I have to pay £70. To get your dog back. Yeah, exactly. If if, uh, it wasn't... Is that for the council or is that a private company? That's for the council. Council. If that were a private citizen Mm. and they just got in touch, I don't know, say there's a number on the collar or whatever, Mm. found your dog holding him to ransom, how much do you think you would have paid? 70 quid would be fine. Yeah, okay. So it all evens itself out. How can he escaped? Well, basically, the E can open the door. And the door wasn't locked that day for some reason. It happened. There's not a Rita Hayworth poster in the kitchen that he's slowly been tunnelling through mm. and he had to like go through a, a tunnel of shit for a mile no. and then break out into the pouring rain. No, funny enough, he left a note for it, his mate. He did. 
Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. Shawshank. Oh, no, I could follow that further, but I will not. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> no, I will not. No, I won't. Oh. Is, it, is it because that would be vaguely racist? It is vaguely racist, yes. It is vaguely racist. But I, I, should, I should point out that Winter has a beautiful black Labrador. Well, one of his is, is Siberian. The other one is from Canada. Because the Labrador is from Canada. The Husky is from Siberia. Don't know why that helps the story along. But that's just more extra information. When he says from Canada, he was born there. No, well, he, he's, you know, his heritage is Canadian. Labrador. That's Canadian. where those dogs come from. Fucking Brexit. shouldn't even be here, should he? Worse than David Tussanos. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to write to my MP. I'm going to say first, Winter's Labrador. Then, David Tussanos. Yeah, yeah right, okay. Yeah. It's, probably, it's probably easier for Canadians to come over anyway, isn't it? I, I'd say so, yeah. Yeah. I, I never knew they were Canadian in origin. Yeah, they are. They keep that quiet, don't they? They, they do, they keep to themselves, you know? Yeah, like Greg Rosetsky, in many ways. <laughs> they pretend they're British, but yeah. they're not. Well, Alex... Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. At that Alex Perry on Twitter. At that Alex Perry, yes. We'll find you. And the Comics Talk Football Podcast, if you like football, or if you don't, just listen in. Got got loads of great comedians. So Manchester United now is my team. Oh, really? Well, Cork City just won the Irish FA Cup a bit closer to home. And Ireland beat New Zealand. Rugby. I saw that. Are you, in, are you into the Gaelic football? I realise I'm dra- you're like trying to wrap it up and I'm dragging it out. Because I was in Galway recently and they played a bit of it. But who won? Um no. May, uh, Dublin won. Yeah. Mayo lost by a point because they've got a curse. I love wow. a curse in sport and Mayo is Curses, sport. yeah. It's like the like Cubs curse, huh? Yeah, the Cubs are just beating it. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have won. I think Newcastle United might have won. And Trump has just won the 2016 election. Yeah. And cursing everyone from now for the next four, maybe to eight years. Until nuclear Armageddon. Yeah, well, we'll see. Maybe this will come out. Hopefully this will come out before that. <laughs> should do. I mean, that's quick work if he... If, if you, like, click end on this and then we just see a bright light and mushroom cloud and then... Well, it'll be a great finale for this uh, podcast. You know, you know how they say cockroaches would survive a nuclear mm. war? Mm. I think Hemel Hempstead would survive a nuclear war. <laughs> I want Milton Keynes. Not, not that I'm slagging it. I think Luton. Well, I think okay. If, if Hemel's going to survive, Luton's going to just kill it. Luton's going to be the new capital of the world. Could you imagine? Someone should do that, like a futuristic Westworld thing, where there's been a nuclear war and London got blitzed, but Luton didn't. Mm. So Luton just—it's got—it's got an airport. And it's does. probably quite well placed. It, it is. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Sci-fi writers, if you're listening, have that. That's on me. You're welcome. Is that the end of it? Yeah, let's say bye. Bye now, folks. Cheers, Alex. I'll just come on the show. And that was Alex Perry. I think you'll notice by this interview we spent many an hour together. But Alex runs his own podcast, a very successful one, called the Comics Talk Football Podcast. Find their Facebook group, like their page, follow them on Twitter. And he also runs two gigs. He runs one in Manchester called Chorlton Chuckles and one in London called Darrelson Chuckles. Go to them. He's a very funny guy in his own right. Go check him out. If you like this podcast, you can follow us on Twitter. We're there at The Comedy Defect. If you want to follow me, it's at Winter Phonander. If you want to come see my live stand-up gig dates... Go to my website, which is winterphonander.com, and come see me live. I'll make you laugh. If you like this podcast and you want to donate to us, 
go to Patreon, type in The Comedy Defect Podcast, and donate as much or as little as you want. But if you can't kick something back to us, just leave us a nice review on iTunes or Podbean, because that really helps. I haven't attacked the Guinness Encyclopedia for a while, because I'm trying to get everything in balance, as I said to you before, but I'm getting there. I'm still on page 25, but I'm going to do another 25 pages very, very soon, and find those jokes on Twitter, at Guinness Jokes. The next person we've got on here, she's been on the circuit for 20 years. She's very funny. You're really going to like her. She's such a warm and lovely person. Is Jojo Giorgio. That is for episode 25 next week. And that's it for now from the Comedy Defect podcast. We'll see you next week for episode 25 with Jojo Giorgio.